Volume 1, Chapter 4 of the Autobiography of Madame Kion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Madame Kion by Jean Kion volume one chapter four after about eight months my father took me home my mother kept me more with her beginning to have a higher regard for me than before she still preferred my brother everyone spoke of it even when i was sick and there was anything i liked he demanded it was taken from me and given to him, and he was in perfectly good health. One day he made me mount the top of the coach, then threw me down. By the fall I was very much bruised. At other times he beat me, but whatever he did, however wrong, it was winked at. All the most favorable construction was put upon it this soured my temper i had little disposition to do good saying i was never the better for it it was not then for thee alone o god that i did good since i ceased to do it when it met not with such a reception from others as i wanted had i known how to make a right use of this thy crucifying conduct, I shall have made a good progress. Far from turning me out of the way, it would have made me turn more wholly to thee. I looked with jealous eyes on my brother, seeing the difference between him and me. Whatever he did was considered well, but if there were blame, it fell on me. My stepsisters by the mother gained her goodwill by caressing him and persecuting me. True, I was bad. I relapsed into my former faults of lying and peevishness. With all these faults, I was very tender and charitable to the poor. I prayed to God assiduously, loved to hear anyone speak of him and to read good books. I doubt not that you will be amazed at such a series of inconsistencies, but what succeeds will surprise you yet more when you see this manner of acting gain ground with my years. As my reason ripened, it was so far from correcting this irrational conduct. Sin grew more powerful in me. O oh my God, thy grace seemed to be redoubled in proportion to the increase of my ingratitude. It was with me as with a city besieged. Thou didst surround my heart, and I only studied how to defend myself against thy attacks i raised fortifications about the wretched place 
adding every day to the number of my iniquities to prevent thee taking it. When there was an appearance of thy becoming victorious over this ungrateful heart, I raised a counter-battery and threw up ramparts to keep off thy goodness and to hinder the course of thy grace. None other could have conquered than thyself. I cannot bear to hear it said, We are not free to resist grace. I have had too long and fatal an experience of my liberty. I close up the avenues of my heart that I might not so much as hear that secret voice of God which was calling me to Himself. I have indeed from tenderest youth passed through a series of grievances either by maladies or by persecutions. The girl to whose care my mother left me in arranging my hair used to beat me and did not make me turn it except with rage and blows. Everything seemed to punish me, but this, instead of making me turn unto thee, O my God, only served to afflict and embitter my mind. My father knew nothing of all this. His love to me was such that he would not have suffered it. I loved him very much, but at the same time I feared him, so that I told him nothing of it. My mother was often teasing him with complaints of me, to which he made no other reply than there are twelve hours in the day, she will grow wiser. This rigorous proceeding was not the worst for my soul, though it soured my temper, which was otherwise mild and easy. But what caused my greatest hurt was that I chose to be among those who caressed me in order to corrupt and spoil me. My father, seeing I was now grown tall, placed me land among the Ursulines to receive my first communion at Easter, at which time I was to complete my eleventh year. And here my most dear sister, under whose inspection my father placed me, redoubled her cares to cause me to make the best preparation possible for this act of devotion. I thought out of giving myself to God in good earnest. I often felt a combat between my good inclinations and my bad habits. I even did some penances. As I was almost always with my sister, and as the boarders in her class which was the first, were very reasonable and civil, I became such also while among them. It has been cruel to educate me badly, for my very nature was strongly disposed to goodness. Easily won with mildness, I did with pleasure whatever my good sister desired. At length 
Easter arrived. I received the communion with much joy and devotion. In this house I stayed until Wichan died. But as my other sister was the mistress of the second class, she demanded that in her week I should be with her in that class. Her manners, so opposite to the others, made me relax my former piety. I felt no more than new and delightful ardor which had seized my heart at my first communion. Alas, it held but a short time. My faults and failings were soon reiterated and drew me from the care and duties of religion. As I now grew very tall for my age and more to my mother's liking than before, she took care to deck and dress me, to make me see company, to take me abroad. She took an inordinate pride in that beauty with which God had formed me, to bless and praise Him. However, it was perverted by the me into a source of pride and vanity. Several shooters came to me, but as I was not yet twelve years, my father would not listen to any proposals. I loved reading and shut myself up alone every day to read without interruption. What proved effectual to gain me entirely to God, at least for a time, was that the nephew of my father's passed by our home on a mission to Cochin, China. I happened at that time to be taking a walk with my companions, which I seldom did. At my return she was gone. They gave me an account of this sanctity and the things she had said. I was so touched that I was overcome with sorrow. I cried all the rest of the day and night. Early in the morning I went in great distress to seek my confessor. I said to him, What, my father, am I the only person in our family to be lost? Alas, help me in my salvation. He was greatly surprised to see me so much afflicted and comforted me in the best manner he could, not thinking me so bad as I was. In my backslidings I was docile, punctual in obedience, careful to confess often. Since I went to him, my life was more regular. O oh, thou God of love, how often hast thou knocked at the door of my heart? How often terrified me with appearances of sudden death? All this only made a transient impression. I presently return again to my infidelities. This time thou didst take and quite carry off my heart. Alas, what grief I now sustain for having displeased thee, what regrets, what exclamations, what sobbings! Who would have thought to see me 
but that my conversion would have lasted as long as my life? Why didst thou not, O my God, utterly take this heart to thyself, when I gave it to thee so fully? Or, if thou didst take it, then, O, oh, why didst thou let it revolt again? Thou wast surely strong enough to hold it, but thou wouldst perhaps, in leaving me to myself, display thy mercy, that the depth of my iniquity might serve as a trophy to thy goodness. I immediately applied myself to every part of my duty. I made the general confession with great compaction of heart. I frankly confessed all that I knew with many tears. I became so changed that I was scarcely known. I will not forever so much have made the least voluntary sleep. They found not any matter for absolution when I confessed. I discovered the very smallest faults, and God did me the favor to enable me to conquer myself in many things. There were left only some remains of passion, which gave me some trouble to conquer. But as soon as I had, by means thereof, given any displeasure, even to the domestics, I begged their pardon in order to subdue my wrath and pride. For wrath is the daughter of pride. A person truly humble permits not anything to put him in a rage. As it is pride which dies the last in the soul, so it is passion which is last destroyed in the outward conduct. A soul thoroughly dead to itself finds nothing of rage left. There are persons who being very much filled with grace and with peace at the entrance of the resigned path of light and love, think they are come that far, but they are greatly mistaken in this view of their state. This they will readily discover if they are hardly willing to examine two things. First, if their nature is lively, warm and violent, I speak not of stupid tempers, they will find from time to time that they make slips in which trouble and emotion have some share. Even then they are useful to humble and annihilate them. But when annihilation is perfected, all passion is gone. It is incompatible with this state they will find that there often arises in them certain motions of anger, but the sweetness of grace holds them back. They would easily transgress if in any wise they gave way to these motions. There are persons who think themselves very mild because nothing thwarts them. It is not of such that I am speaking. Mildness which has never been put to the proof, is often only counterfeit. Those persons who, when unmolested, appear to be saints, 
are no sooner exercised by vexing occurrences than there starts up in them a strange number of faults. They have thought them dead, which only lay dormant, because nothing awakened them. I followed my religious exercise. I shut myself up all day to read and pray. I gave all I had to the poor, taking even linen to their houses. I taught them the catechism, and when my parents dined out, I made them eat with me and serve them with great respect. I read the works of St. Francis de Sales and the life of Madame de Chandal. There I first learned what mental prayer was, and I besought my confessor to teach me that kind of prayer. As he did not, I used my own endeavors to practice it, though without success. As I then thought, because I could not exercise the imagination, I persuaded myself that that prayer could not be made without forming to oneself certain ideas and reasoning much. This difficulty gave me no small trouble for a long time. I was very assiduous and prayed earnestly to God to give me the gift of prayer. All that I saw in the life of Madame de Chandal charmed me. I was so much a child that I thought I ought to do everything I saw in it. All the vows she had made, I made also. One day, as I was reading, that she had put the name of Jesus on her heart to follow the counsel, set me as a seal upon thy heart. For this purpose she had taken a hot iron, whereupon the holy name was engraved. I was very much afflicted that I could not do the same. I decided to write that sacred and adorable name in large characters on paper, then with ribbons and a needle, I fastened it to my skin in four places. In that position it continued a long time. After this, I turned all my thoughts to become a nun, because the love which I had for St. Francis de Sales did not permit me to think of any other community than the one of which he was the founder. I frequently went to beg the nuns there to receive me into their convent. Often I stole out of my father's house to go and repeatedly solicit my admission there. Though it was what they eagerly desired, even as a temporal advantage, yet they never dare let me enter, as they very much feared my father, to whose fondness for me they were no strangers. There was at that house a niece of my father's, to whom I am under great obligations. Fortune had not been very favorable to her father. It had reduced her in some measure 
to depend on mine, to whom she made known my desire. Although she would not for anything in the world have hindered a right vocation, yet she could not hear of my design without shedding tears. As she happened at this time to be abroad, my cousin went to my confessor to desire him to forbid my going to the visitation. He dared not, however, do it plainly, for fear of drawing on himself the resentment of that community. I still wanted to be a nun, and importuned my mother excessively to take me to that house. She would not do it, for fear of grieving my father, who was absent. End of chapter 4 of volume 1